0: a message. There's preachers and there's teachers. And preaching is more, uh, you know, more proclamation, fire you up, inspire you. But uh, teaching, that's where we really start to dig in. We start to break things down. Um, And so, uh, you know, there's people that only like the preaching. They only like the fired up messages. Just, Just get me inspired. Just get me out the door. And I just want to go do something. Want to go, you know, win the entire world that, you know, for Jesus. And then you know, there's those that like the teaching, like to bog down in and, and get down in. And, and I'm a teacher. That, that is my strong point, is to teach the Word. Uh, I can preach. I can get fired up. I can inspire people. I can, you know, get on one, one point and just nail it home. But teaching is where I really like to break things down. I love to study. I love to break words open and find out what their original meanings were. What were they really saying? Put things in context. Let's study the history of this thing. That, that's my strong point. So um, I love Wednesday nights. I hope you do too. Um, I don't want them to be, uh, you know, feel like they're dragging and, and those type of things. But this is where we get in and and we're going to chew on it a little bit. And the Bible says to meditate on the word day and night. That meditate isn't just look at it once and go on. That meditate is look at it and look at it and look at it and look at it. And that's how, by keeping your mind focused on the word, you keep from being distracted distracted and preoccupied. And the, the the worst thing for a believer is a mind that is divided, a mind that is every now and then looking at the word and then every now and then looking at the world. And uh, especially if we're going to find out how to use and work the keys of the kingdom properly, uh, we've got to know how to work the word. We've got to know how to not be distracted. We've got to learn We've got to learn how to stay away from uh, our minds being preoccupied outside of the Word of God. And so that's what we're doing on these Wednesday nights. That is the goal. Um, If it feels like class, if it feels like there's teaching and instruction coming, um, it is is set up that way on purpose. And so uh, that is the drive that we're going for. So go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 17. Father, we thank you for your Word tonight. We thank you that it is... Spoken boldly, with clarity, Father, I thank you that we see, we understand, we perceive, not with our minds and our heads, but beyond that, even into our hearts, Father. I thank you that as we take this word and apply it to our lives, that we will see heaven open up for each and every one of us as we learn to access heaven on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, let's see, where are we going? Kingdom Keys. Kingdom Keys. Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, the title of my message tonight is, Apply Within, Apply Within. And uh, look at this in verse seventeen, verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 20, verse 20, says, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the, kingdom of, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here. Or see there. For indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is where? Within you. Within you. Here we have a bunch of Pharisees, and again, we're reiterating. You probably heard me, you know, go upon this tangent before, but I needed to set up what we're doing tonight. And we have Pharisees, we have religious leaders, and we have Jesus who has been speaking of the kingdom non-stop. It's all he's talking about. It's all that he's ministered from, the kingdom. The kingdom of God looks like this, and the kingdom of God looks like that, and the kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God is there. And so he also told his disciples that to you has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom. And that word mystery is not Uh, you know, something that we're trying to solve. It's not a secret. He's not trying to keep secrets from us. But what it is is something that has been hidden that can only be revealed by God. And he said this to his disciples. So now we have a multitude of people that are hearing Jesus talk about a kingdom but have no idea what he's talking about. In fact, even his disciples later on, even towards the end of his ministry, were asking, so when is this kingdom that you're talking about When is it going to be fully come? When are we really going to see this thing? These guys are looking for an actual government. They're looking for an actual political system that is going to take over the earth. And so the Pharisees are coming and they're saying, when are we going to see this kingdom you've been talking about? And Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. This kingdom that I'm talking about is not going to be with visible observation you're not going to be able to see you're not going to be able to say oh here is the reign of so-and-so in the kingdom of so-and-so this isn't what this isn't going to be what you're looking at this isn't going to be you know taking over the earth and and it's going to change the laws and it's going to change how we govern and how we live he says that it's going to take place within you now there's one way to translate this and jesus was saying for indeed, the kingdom of God is among you, or in your midst, is what he was saying. The kingdom of God is already around you. Why? Because the king was there. And where the king is, there's the kingdom. And so Jesus was saying, because I'm here in your midst, the kingdom is among you, or the kingdom is around you. And so the Pharisees and the multitudes, they missed what Jesus was actually trying to say. He was saying, my kingdom is spiritual in nature, not natural. You're looking for a physical kingdom, a physical government, a physical political system that's going to come to the earth and change how you literally do things. So instead of us being controlled by the United States of America, we'd be controlled by the kingdom of God. And that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, my kingdom is spiritual in nature, which means you can't see it. But we know that the things that you can't see are actually more real than the things you can see. He even told Pontius Pilate right before he was about to be crucified, he said, my kingdom's not of this world. And he wasn't saying uh, that my kingdom uh, isn't in this world. He was saying my kingdom's not from this world. He was saying my kingdom is of a different type of nature. You can't see it. Here's the thing about a kingdom. A kingdom consists of territory. The word kingdom is actually two words put together. It is a king's domain. That's what that dom at the end of kingdom means. D-O-M is the same word we get domain from. Domain is territory. Very simply put, if you don't have a territory... If a king does not have a territory, then a king doesn't have a kingdom. You can't just call yourself a king and have nothing that you rule over. What makes you a king is having a territory that you actually reside in and rule over. David was considered the king of Israel because he ruled over Israel. There is a king in England, a queen in England, and they rule over England. You can't just go around calling yourself the king of this or the king of that without, have, without actually having territory. Territory is the most important part of a kingdom. And we've been laying a lot of foundation over the last few weeks. We've talked about citizenship. We've talked about kingdoms. We've talked about government. We've talked about culture last week. And now we're going to talk about territory. And so Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is within you, which means the territory that God is looking to rule in is your life. He's not looking to rule over a physical, natural place on the earth. He's not looking to come down and take over the United States of America and take over Mexico and take over Africa and and, and take over China. The territory... That Jesus is saying his kingdom is going to take over is our lives individually, within us. See, you can be a king in your own life. If you are a father, your territory is your house. And you are the king of that home, which means you dictate what comes in and what goes out, or you ought to be. You dictate and you call the shots. You tell, you dictate where the family goes to church, and you dictate uh, what kind of things you put on TV. And if these things are happening in our homes, and we go to the head, we go to the king and say, What are we allowing? Are we guarding? Are we protecting? So we have to understand, if you are a business owner, that's your territory. And as a business owner, you are a king over your business. And you now dictate... You set up the laws and you set up what comes in and what goes out. You guard and protect. That's a king's duty. That's a king's responsibility. And so God has a territory, but his territory, he's not trying to take over a natural piece of land on this planet. He's not eventually trying to take over the whole earth. The way that he takes over the earth, the way that God's kingdom will eventually take over this entire earth, is by first taking over people's lives. That is where God's kingdom will take place. And God's kingdom will not take place in this earth if it doesn't take place in man's life. Period. So the territory that God is looking to take over is our lives. Now here's the thing about territory. A territory defines the king. The territory defines the king. It defines the king in size. That's why kings are always wanting to expand their territory. Why? The more territory you have, the more powerful you are. The Roman Empire Empire was one of the greatest empires ever on the face of the planet because they kept going out and accessing more land, taking over more countries and making them Roman Making them Roman citizens and making that Roman territory. And now when you went on this land, it was no longer Greek land, it was Roman land. It was no longer Persian land, it was Roman land. They just kept going out and taking more access, so now a king is known by his territory. A king is known by his territory also in the condition of it. If the condition of the land is terrible, guess what? The king's terrible. If the condition of the territory is no good, if there's no, nothing producing, if there's nothing giving life, if there's not a lot of cattle, if there's not a lot of places to build, then the king looks bad, based just solely on the, ter- the territory that he rules over. Another condition is provision. Is the, is the territory providing for itself? Is the territory giving itself life? Is there provision found on the land? If I went to this nation, would I find that they're wealthy? If I go to this nation, would I find a poor nation? The ruler of Haiti doesn't look as good as the ruler of England. Why? Because Haiti is a very poor country. There is not a lot of provision. There's not a lot happening there. Not a lot of life going on. And so, that reflects on the leader. That reflects on the king. So, now, taking that into consideration, when we understand that God's territory is us, now we have a responsibility all of a sudden. Now, we all of a sudden realize that God's kingdom, we're not looking for it to take place in the United States. And, man, you know, the United States, that's nothing like the kingdom of God. Well, it would be if there were a lot of believers in the United States. If there were enough people that would profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior and would live according to the kingdom. Now, all of a sudden, the United States is a kingdom nation. Not because Jesus came down and took over the United States, and took out the president and said, hey, I'm king. But because he's king of our lives and we profess him as king and as our Lord. Let's go further. In uh. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Let's start there. The territory that God wants to rule as a king is in our lives. Our lives. We are the territory. But look what happened. Look what Jesus did to make this possible. Because before, our lives were given to a different territory. Our lives were given to a different kingdom. And when Adam sinned, he handed over not just, not just sin coming in, but He gave away and forfeited the kingdom. So look what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Because Adam sinned, death came through everybody. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one, the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's disobedience, or by one man's obedience, many... Will be made righteous. Paul was saying, because one man sinned, we were all born into sin. But because of one man's righteous act, we were all then made righteous, if you accept what Jesus did. What did Jesus do on the cross? We have to redefine this. To understand the kingdom, to understand access to the kingdom through keys, we have to understand what Jesus did for us on the cross. And if you ask anybody that is a Christian, a professing Christian, a believer, they will tell you that Jesus came to die on the cross so you could go to heaven. Most likely, 10 out of 10 answers would fall in that line. You might get redemption from hell. And it all points to something later on in life. But Jesus said that the kingdom of God is within you. He didn't say that you are within the kingdom of God. And we've all been trying to obtain to a kingdom. I mean, most people that you talk to, and if you were to ask them, what is the kingdom of God? They would tell you, oh, that's when Jesus comes and rules again on the earth. That's where most people will point. I was in that boat for a long time. What is the kingdom? Oh, Jesus was talking about, you know, when, when one day we all die and we go to heaven and we get to live in his kingdom, or when Jesus comes back to the earth in the final do-all and comes and rules again and now his kingdom's fully consummated. That is a true statement. But there is a part of the kingdom that we get to live in now. There isn't waiting for heaven. There isn't waiting for Jesus. There isn't waiting to die. There's a purpose and a plan for your life today. Jesus died on the cross to remove sin out of your life. And what he did is he made a swap. Two things happened in one moment. Sin was taken out. And when sin is removed... You are now made righteous before God. Now, what does that mean? A lot of times, we look at the word righteous or righteousness, and we say uh, we 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 make that a religious term. Righteous? That's actually a political term. That's actually a government term. And and to be righteous simply means to be in right standing with the governing authority. See, right now, I'm in right standing with the governing authority. If a police officer were to walk in here right now, I would not drop this microphone and bust out running. (laughs) I wouldn't put my hands in the air and say, all right, you found me. (laughs) I'm in right standing. There's nothing to be afraid of. How many of you have ever been driving down the highway, and even though you know you are driving the speed limit, you hit the brakes when you see a cop how many have done that automatic reaction why cuz at some point we weren't in right standing and we needed to hit the brakes real quick and so hey it's 70 i'm going 70 there's a cop oh boom whoa wait a minute even though i'm in right standing uh, i'm reacting or responding out of not being in right and not by, not being in right standing so righteousness means you are in a position where with the governing authority, you are not at fault. That's what righteousness is. We've made this a religious term, and it's really a political term. It just simply means I'm in accordance. I'm living my life in accordance with the government. That I would have no fear if government government authorities came in here. This business is in right standing. My life is in right standing. I know that we're here. I mean, think about it. When we first moved over here, we had people stop what we were doing. But what did I do? I got in alignment. And now if they came in and said, hey, whoa, what are you doing? I got papers. I got signatures. We got it all. And now we can say we're in right alignment with the governing authority. There's nothing you could do. If they try to bring something, I've got proof. Well, guess what? We've got proof. We're in right alignment with the governing authority. Amen. So that's what righteousness means. So Jesus in one moment removed sin out of our life and put us in a righteous position with who? God, the King. That's how God sees you. No longer do we see no longer do we see ourselves maybe the way other people see us. That's what people try to do. People don't see you in a righteous position. Your old friends, your old family, your old pals. No, they see you as who you were or what they think you amount to. Okay? There's people in my past that would probably be very surprised to see me up here right now holding a microphone in my hand preaching the gospel. They would. Why? Because they can't see beyond what I used to do or what they thought I would one day amount to be. Whoa, I would never have thought you would have done that. How many of you have ever got that? I never thought you would have lived that way. I never would never have, would, yeah. You're darn right you never would have. Because you don't see me the way my king sees me. My king sees me as righteous. Because of what one man did in obedience. See, you're only looking at me through Adam. And what he put on me. But Jesus came and did more than just give me a door to one day get to heaven and I'm still just a horrible, terrible person I always was. He saved me from hell. Thank God I don't have to go to hell. Well, you're living like hell on the earth, so what does it matter? That's where most of these people are. But Jesus removed sin and then put us in a position where God always sees you as perfect. Now, If we have trouble seeing ourselves that way, then I think we need to get aligned with God's Word because He tells us who we really are. And again, that's where that preoccupation and that distraction comes in. And we start aligning ourselves with what other people say. We start aligning ourselves with who we used to be. We start aligning ourselves with all this. And God's saying, this is how I see you. I don't even remember those things. You keep bringing all that junk up to me and I don't even know it. I don't even know about it. I see you as righteousness. That's your position. Now, yes, holiness is an action that needs to follow that position. But first, let's get founded in the position in who we are. Now, why is this important? Why is it important for me to know what Jesus did on the cross? Why is it important for me to know that now sin has been removed and I've been made righteous? This is why. Because you are where God wants to rule and reign. See, the whole reason why sin had to come out is because God and sin don't mix. Can't happen. You can't have light and darkness. If it were dark in here, as soon as I turn the light on, I can't make half of it light and half dark. doesn't happen. It may not be lit very well, but one light will pierce the darkness. And where the light is, you can't... Notice darkness never covers up light you can't ever turn on the dark you can only turn on the light okay so quit trying to grab that darkness and try to think it covers up who you are now because the light's on the light ain't going off you are saved you are born again that's how god sees you and so we keep trying to take this blanket trying man look at all my dark stuff look at all my old stuff hey the light's on you can't turn that out you don't have access to the light switch Okay? So God and sin don't mix. So one's got to go. And from Adam until Jesus' death on the cross, the one that went was God. There was no access to God. You had to go through people who were given provisional access, they had the badges that said, I have all clearance. To this data. I have clearance to the man. I can go to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You couldn't, ain't no one just busting through, get out of my way, I'm gonna go talk to God and just go on up into the temple and go to the Holy of Holies and then the most holy place and say, alright, God, here we are, let's talk. No, you dropping dead and they dragging your body out and bearing you on the outside. They're digging you a hole. Read the Old Testament, didn't happen. But now we have access. Why? Because sin has been removed. Now when sin was removed, that gave access to God by his spirit. And now he has taken up residency within you. You have now become the territory where God wants to rule and reign. God ain't coming down here trying to take over Germany and try to take over. He's not looking to take over a land mass he wants to take over your heart. He wants to take over your life. Now, if he's king, that means he's calling the shots. You're the territory. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to hit this point real quick. God ruling with, within us allows us, to rule in life. And we'll find out why this is important. Remember, we've been talking about keys of the kingdom. What was one of the things I said that keys denote or keys are a sign of? Authority. Authority. You got no authority uh, if, you don't get, if you don't get up under his authority. You have no authority in the earth. Any military guy will tell you that they had no authority over people if they didn't first submit to someone over them. The Roman centurion that came to Jesus in John chapter 8 and said, Just say the word and my servant will be healed. He knew that could happen because he was a man under authority just as Jesus was. And he was able to talk to his servants a certain way because of how he responded to his masters. Okay? So God ruling within you allows you to rule in life. So look what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Two things. First of all, the field. Let's look at the field. You are God's field, territory, land. Now, let's just break it down one more step further. What are we made of? What were we made out of? Dust, dirt, sand, land, territory. Your life is land. And it's being given to someone to farm in and to produce in. You are God's field. As a believer, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, you are the territory now that God wants to rule and reign in. Now, I don't know any field that tells the farmer what gets planted in it. (laughs) I don't know any field that tells the farmer. When you're going to water me and when you're going to do this and when you're going to get me ready for the next harvest and when you're going to get me ready to to plant some more stuff in. There's no field that does that. Who calls the shots? The farmer. The owner. God is king. God is the owner. God is the one calling the shots in our lives as his territory. A building. The building. We are the building that houses God by His Spirit. His Holy Spirit lives within us. We just got done talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is how God has taken up residency within you. That means He resides, He lives in, He dwells in, He abides in you by the Holy Spirit. Now we think, oh wow, yeah, the Holy Spirit lives in me, but God's in heaven. The Holy Spirit, God, the Son, Jesus, they are one. They are one. So the Holy Spirit living in you, that means that God is living in you. Now that's built on the foundation of the Word of God. We are the house, we are the building that is built on the Word. Okay? So, two things we have to see there. We are His field. We are his building. You are territory. The homeowner is the one that calls the shots. The homeowner decides what paint goes on the wall. The homeowner decides where this piece of furniture goes. The homeowner decides who lives in the house. The homeowner decides what you do with these rooms. This can be an office. This can be a spare bedroom. This can be a child's playroom. This can be a game room. The homeowner... The owner of the house. It's his or hers territory. We are God's territory. We don't call the shots. We don't say what comes in and what goes out. We don't say what we do with our time and with our resources and with our stuff. We've been talking about that in stewardship. Okay, so we are God's building. He lives in us, so he gets to call the shots. He's the king. Remember, without a territory, you have no kingdom. The kingdom of God is within you because you now belong to him and you are where he rules and where he reigns. Go down to verse 16. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him for a temple The temple of God is holy. Which temple you are? You are. You are God's temple. Uh, Go a few chapters over to 1 Corinthians 6. I want to go there first. And then we got one more passage after that. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 19. Same chapter. Same, or not same chapter, same book, same people. And Paul once again says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You were bought at a price. Look what he says here. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Both are. Well, I'll give God my spirit, but I don't know about my body. Oh, he, he can have my spirit. You know, one day I know I'm going to go to heaven, but, you know, here on the earth, this flesh is mine, so I'm going to do with it what I want to do with it. To where a lot of people are at. This verse says that we're supposed to glorify God in our spirit and our bodies because they both belong to him, which are God's. we got to give it all to him. It means you gotta give him your wills. You gotta give him your desires. You gotta give him your purposes. You gotta give him your pursuits. What you care about needs to be what he cares about. What he values, you value. That's what he's looking for. We can't go along with this, well, you know, I I believe in God and I'll read my Bible a few times and go to church every now and then. But, you know, the rest of that time, that's my time look, if the spirit and the body both belong to God, that means nothing belongs to you. <laughs> the verse right before it said, you're not your own. It means you don't call the shots. It means that you don't dictate what happens. The territory belongs to the king. The kingdom of God is within you. He has taken up residency. He's now occupying your life, which means your life, your body, your mind, your will, your desires, your spirit, that now all belongs to Him and becomes His territory, and He will do with it as He pleases. That's what God is looking to do. One more chapter, Ephesians chapter 2. One more passage, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. How does God's kingdom come to the earth? It comes within you. It comes within man. Now here's the thing. How many of you have ever told someone or ever heard someone say, my house, my rules? <laughs> Mostly to your kids, right? My house, my rules. Maybe you had someone come over to your house and say, whoa, my house, My rules. Don't like the rules? Hit the curb. Hit the road, Jack. Don't come back no more. Right? His house, his rules. (laughs) His house, his rules. We got to get it lined up. We got to get it lined up. I'll tell you right now, people are trying to access the kingdom of heaven. People are trying to use their keys. And guess what? They don't work on anyone else's house but God's house. The keys to the kingdom are just that. Keys to the kingdom of God. If you're trying to use your key in the world, it ain't happening. If you're trying to move around authority, if you're trying to make things happen in your life, trying to get God to move on your behalf and you're not moving on His behalf, We got a problem because my key to my truck only goes to one vehicle in the entire world. I cannot go out in that parking lot and get in anyone else's vehicle and drive away without your key. So we got to get this straight. We got to understand whose territory we are. Where is God's kingdom? How is God's kingdom really coming to the earth? And it's within us, which is the most exciting thing in the world. He could have put his kingdom anywhere and said, here it is, come and get it. But instead, he stuck it right inside of you. In fact, he said, the only way my kingdom is even going to be known in this world is through you. If you don't bring the kingdom, the kingdom ain't coming. That means on your job, everywhere you go, you go with the kingdom. When they come in contact with you, they come into contact with the kingdom of God. When they come in contact with someone and they bring hatred, they come into contact with the kingdom of God and love comes right back. When, you, when sickness comes in contact with the kingdom of God, healing comes right back. That's how the kingdom of God works. But it ain't working if we ain't considering ourselves His territory. And we can't have it half and half. We can't have it both ways. We can't do what we want and then expect to get God to do what we want. We can't give God 45 minutes on Sunday morning and then the whole rest of the week do with it as we want. See, here's the thing. If you're the body of Christ, that means you're not just the body of Christ on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. You're the body of Christ on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, and Saturday. We are the body of Christ everywhere all the time 24/7 we can't get into church mode and just look at church and just say well i did my time cuz it don't work that way because we all get in situations where we're trying to turn the key marriage is falling apart kids are sick need a job don't have enough money to pay my bills Need gas in my car. Need my friends to understand me and quit backbiting and gossiping about me. We all are trying to turn keys every day. And the keys aren't working because we're not operating in the right kingdom. And authority in our lives only works when we submit to the ultimate authority. Period. Look at Adam. Adam could do whatever he wanted in that garden as long as it was in line with the king. Why? Because he was in line with the king. He could go name the animals. He could guard and protect the garden. But he lost all those rights. He lost all those privileges. He lost all that authority when he handed, over, when he handed it over by disobeying God's authority. Look at King Saul. He was given one command. Go into the Amalekites and destroy every single one of them. Do not leave one thing living. Do not leave a child alive. Do not leave a woman alive. Do not leave an animal alive. Do not leave the king alive. Samuel shows up and says, what is all this noise I hear? Oh, yeah, you know, the people, you know, they wanted me to save the best of the animals. We're going to sacrifice them later. Oh, and here's the king, too. And Samuel said, today, the kingdom has been torn away from you, has been ripped away from you, and God has already found your successor. Your inability, his inability to remain in alignment with God's authority removed him from authority. We don't have any authority over devils. We don't have any authority over the enemy. We don't have any authority to be bossing around demons and bossing around sickness and bossing around depression and bossing around people that are hurting us. If we're not living for the king, they will laugh at you and they will say, you're not even in alignment with your own king. Why do you think I'm going to obey you? But I'll tell you right now, the enemy will flee from someone That is fully submitted to the king. How do I know that? James said, submit submit yourself to God, rebuke the devil, and he will flee. We love that second half. Rebuke the devil, and he will flee. And people are rebuking like mad. I rebuke Satan off of this, and I rebuke the devil off of this, and I rebuke this, and I rebuke that. And they've totally left off the first half of that verse. Submit yourself to God. I'll tell you right now, it's the same position. It's not, okay, I'm submitting to God, and then I'm resisting the devil. It's submitting to God and resisting the devil. One position, same act. So we've got to understand this. The, the keys of the kingdom, they won't work in our lives if we aren't using the key in the right house, if we're not using the key to the right vehicle, if we're not using the key in the right kingdom. You can't live in the, in the, world, in the world's kingdom according to the world's system, and according to the world's way of doing things, and expect the kingdom of heaven to work. Won't happen. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God, his territory, his place of ruling and reigning is within your life. And if you allow him to call the shots, if you allow him to set up camp, to set up his kingdom within you, to establish his kingdom within you, you'll find every key work every time. When sickness tries to come, boom, I got that key. When depression tries to come, oh, I got that key. When worry tries to come, yep, got that key. When devil starts attacking my family, I got that key. When it seems like my marriage is falling apart, oh, I got that key. There's a key for all of it. There's a key for every single thing you could ever go through in life. And you want to be able to be in a position to know that key still works. You want to be in a position to know. You don't want devils showing up and saying, oh, whoa, what'd I do? You want to know. I got a key. You don't have a right here. You don't have a right. I've been living according to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is within me. He's taken up residency within my life. He owns me. I am his territory. He does with me what he wants. And I'm excited to glorify God with my life. So you have no place. And you'll be throwing it out there like nothing. You won't even think twice about it. You'll throw the key. Nothing. You know it's going to work. You know There's no doubt. I don't get in my mind, oh, I hope this works. I hope this works. I don't, I don't get in my truck and wonder, man, I hope it's going to turn. I hope it's going to crank. No, I got the key. I don't come up to the church every day and pull out the key and say, oh, well, I hope, hope this is it. You know you, know you don't like that when, when you don't know what the key goes to. You can't find it. And you're just going up there guessing. And you're hoping. And you're walking up to the house and saying, man, I think it's this one. Wow, man. I think it's this one. No. No, we're not fumbling with keys anymore. It's time we pull out the keys. Yep, that's it. Confidence. Going boldly before the throne of grace. Unlocking what we need to unlock. Getting access to what we need to unlock. Having authority over what we need to have authority over. And watching the kingdom of God come to the earth through us. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that we have the keys of the kingdom. You gave them to us. You gave us access. You gave us authority. And so, Father, I thank you that right now we begin to align our lives with your word, whatever it is. Begin to identify. Begin to show us what it is that uh, we, we just need to tweak just a little bit. We need to get back in alignment with. We need to keep doing what we're doing because we know that when we're in alignment to your authority, we have authority in the earth. When we're alignment to your will, then we can see your will come to pass in the earth. You said for us to pray, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, Father, I thank you that we have confidence in those prayers. We have confidence that we can see your will come to pass. We can see your kingdom take place, rule and reign in our lives, so we can rule and reign in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.